Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including house churches, gathering times, and other resources, visit us online at salemalliance.org. Today's talk is given by Jeff Brown. Uh, I don't know about you, but there's something about hearing English in a British accent that makes me pay attention. And I know Sam Brown is more than an accent. I've told you that many times. You're more than an accent. But if it's all right with you, I'd like to talk like this the rest of the time. Because then you might pay attention. I won't. Hey, a couple of uh, weeks ago, I'm Jeff Brown, by the way, for those of you who are new, uh, worship pastor here. A couple of weeks ago, or months ago now, uh, I stood up here and informed you of some changes happening for uh, me and my family, and that God is clearly leading us out of this role that we've been in for 15 years to something new. And so as of October 2nd and 3rd, that will be my last weekend here as your worship pastor in that role. And uh, when I said that, some of you groaned, others of you cheered inwardly. Thank you for inwardly cheering. Uh, Some of you hope that the next person will play more hymns uh, or have more hair, whatever your preference is. Uh, So I know that it affects you, but that's what God is leading us towards, and I also let you know that we have no clue what we're heading into as far as a job. Uh, this is not me going to anything. This is God just following the cloud that God has set before us and stepping out in faith, uh, which is equal parts terrifying and exciting. Uh, and so we don't know what, what we're going into as far as a job, uh, but I really, really appreciate the fact that many of you have sent suggestions <laughs> to us. Uh, of what this could look like. And I'd love to share with you the, the list that has come my way. Uh, truck driver, house painter, electrician, substitute teacher, marketing manager, stay-at-home dad, uh, freelance graphic, <laughs> my wife's not okay with that one, uh, freelance graphic designer, school bus driver, Steve Fowler's personal assistant. Um, someone suggested that I start my own YouTube channel and uh, break into llama farms and ride llamas and submit those videos. I'm going to leave that one there. Uh, the, the, the one that kind of caught my eye and ear is one that came from a retreat that the executive pastors went on a couple of weeks ago. Brian Candelo, who you've seen up here preach many times, found a very reliable and scientific online quiz on a very reliable and scientific website called (laughs) buzzfeed.com. And uh, his idea was, let's have all of the executive pastors take this test on your behalf and see what comes back, because it spits out what career you should choose based on your responses. And so uh, after we sat around at the dinner table and they all took the, t- the quiz and we giggled, and what was spit out as my career, uh, drum roll please, is astronaut. <laughs> so uh, we'll see where that, that leads in the, in the years to come. Uh, you know, as I was reading off those lists of ideas for future employment, um, you may have had immediate reactions 
to some of them. Like I said, truck driver, and it was like, ooh. Or electrician, and oh, I can see that happening. Or astronaut, and you laughed. You know, that's an immediate reaction as well. But we have immediate reactions to things. They call them snap judgments. And that's where I want to go today. I'm going to show you a, a collection of random pictures on the screen. And I just want you to pay attention to what rises up to your immediate reaction when you see each picture. Don't judge it. Don't, don't commentate about it. Just pay attention to what comes up when you see these. I can't tell if that's like nervous laughter at the end <laughs> or what that is, but uh, I'm sure you all have many reactions when you see that face. Um, did you notice the reactions? The, there's, a, there's an immediate, something comes up. Could be comfort, could be familiarity, could be disgust at, at broccoli on pizza. Uh, it could be fear, pain, annoyance, maybe even anger at some of those pictures. But we have these snap judgments that come up. And snap judgments aren't in themselves evil or bad. Our our brains were created in an amazing way to, to have pathways made from one thing to another. All throughout our, our formational years, uh, as a baby, as a toddler, as middle schooler, uh, elementary school. Now, if you're in high school, your brain's on pause. You'll get it back when you're 25. But in those formational years, these pathways are being created as we experience life. And those pathways help us make quick decisions so they can be a blessing. Uh, I I tell stories uh, a lot about my brother up here for some reason, this poor guy, sorry, Joey, he's probably watching on live stream. Uh, but, but a lot of my life experience was done with my brother. We're three and a half years apart. He's younger than me. And we shared a room from the time he was born till the time I left for college. Uh, anybody in here share a, a room with their sibling? Yeah. Yeah, that was us. Uh, we did not like each other growing up. Uh, we're friends now, but we did not enjoy each other's company. We knew the buttons to push, and we pushed them. One of the buttons I loved, <laughs> actually loved, that's true, I did love, I loved to push this button, was at nighttime, for some reason in high school, I got in this habit of at nighttime grabbing an orange. And at bedtime, we're literally lying in bed, tucked in, and I'm over there in the dark peeling this orange and eating a full orange. I don't know where this came from, but I, I realized it annoyed my brother to no end. So I kept doing it, (laughs) night after night, and I enjoyed it. Years 
uh, a couple years ago, my brother and I were having, we're friends now, we're having conversations about uh, growing up, and he said, do you remember that season where you would peel an orange in bed every night? I just laughed, yeah. He said, do you know that this, to this day I can't have oranges in my house? <laughs> He's dead serious. The smell of citrus makes him nauseous. He's a teacher, a high school teacher, and he literally has a rule in his classroom that if you bring oranges in, you have to eat them in the hallway. <laughs> it can't be in the, in the room. But his brain, over those years, made a connection without him knowing it, unconsciously, between the smell of citrus and nausea. I mean, our brains are created amazing, and, and sometimes those snap judgments can be a blessing, and other times they can be a curse. Those snap judgments can be a blessing. They can be a blessing, and like they can help us not burn ourselves twice in a row on a hot stove. Our brain immediately says, "No, nah, you shouldn't do that." Remember what happened last time? It's without even thinking. Our brains can can help us in in situations where it's maybe dangerous, and it keeps us on alert. Right? Snap judgments can be a blessing, and other times they can be a curse. And what do I mean by the curse? Well, today, I'd love for us to look at a story in Luke 7 about an interaction that Jesus has with people. We're in this series this month uh, called Imago Jesus, to take on the phrase Imago Dei, image of Jesus. We're looking at, at what maybe Jesus looks like, not necessarily what we think he should look like or how we've believed him to look like, but what he actually is and trying to pattern our life after that, trying to reflect him to our world more accurately. And so we're in this series, and I want us to look at this story in Luke 7. And I want us, we're going to watch a video. It's a, it's a kid's take on this video. So we're in family gathers. we got kids in the room. Kids, we're so glad you're here. Uh, so this video is a kid's take on this story. Also, if you grab fruit snacks and are waiting for the right time, this would be a good time. So... Uh, make the noise of the wrappers, that's fine. If you already ate it, there's plenty back out there. You can go grab another one. But let's watch this video, and I want you to pay attention not only to Jesus, but also to a character by the name of Simon the Pharisee. Okay, and watch and pay attention to the snap judgments that you see. Let's watch. Stories of the Bible. Jesus and the Sinful Woman. This is Jesus, Heyo. who is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. While Jesus was on earth, he taught everyone about God's love and healed people from their sickness. He did many miracles like calming storms and even raised people from the dead. There were a group of Jewish leaders called the Pharisees who heard Jesus speak often. One of the Pharisees, named Simon, asked Jesus to have dinner with him. Come on over. Oh, okay. Sounds good. So Jesus went over to his house and a certain sinful woman heard that he was eating there. She went to the house and brought a jar filled with expensive perfume. She kneeled at Jesus' feet and cried. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them with her hair. She kissed his feet and put the perfume on them. 
Simon saw this and said to himself, Yeah, if this man really were a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Blah. Then Jesus said, Simon, I have something to say to you. Ah, uh, okay. And he told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, Thank you. and 50 pieces to the other. Yeah, thanks. But neither of them could repay him. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. So he kindly forgave them both. Eh, that's okay. Canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon said that the one who owed him more loved him more. Jesus said, Yep. That's right. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water or wash the dust off my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. I tell you, her sins, and there are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, Your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, Who is this man? that he goes around forgiving sins. And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You see Simon the Pharisee's reaction? It was like a snap judgment. It took him very little time to move to judgment of this woman. But not just her, also Jesus who was showing her compassion. He not only had a snap judgment about the person in the room who he'd labeled, but also the person who was showing that person compassion. Now, when I'm reading a story in the Bible, I tend to look for the character in the story that represents me. Not to make it about me, but, but to, it's a story about humans. I'm human. Many of these stories, just history repeats itself, and so... So who is me in, in this story? I mean, I look at Garden of Eden, and I am Adam and Eve. I'm the one who disobeyed God. Egypt and the, the ten plagues. I am the Israelites, God who is, God's rescuing. David and Goliath, I'm David, trusting in, his, in God's strength. So who am I in this story? Who are we in this story? Do we share more in common with Simon? the one who's judging, the one who's making snap judgments? Or do we share more in common with Jesus, the one showing compassion? Too often, too often we are Simon the Pharisee. Too often I am Simon the Pharisee. Too often I make snap judgments when I'm sitting at a red light downtown and I look over and I see the homeless people who have made their, their shelters out of pallets and garbage. Too often I am Simon the Pharisee and I make snap judgments about a family member who's talking about the presidential candidate they just voted for. Too often I am Simon and I make snap judgments about a pastor who stood in a rally downtown calling for racial equity and justice. Too often we are Simon the Pharisee 
And if the point of this is to image Simon, to imago Simon, then we're there. But that's not the point. The goal is to image Jesus, to imago Jesus. So let's look at this story through that lens. What does Jesus tell us and show us? First thing, he shows us that he stays close to the hurting. Jesus stays close to the hurting. All throughout the Gospels, we read stories of Jesus and we see him time and time again being with people who are hurting, almost like he's drawn to them. He rushes to the defense of the woman who is caught in adultery. He, he runs to Jairus' home to, to heal his daughter. He has compassion on the sick over and over again. And what's the nickname that he's given all the time? Friend of sinners. Friend of sinners. We see it in this story. This woman comes into the dinner, uh, their time and dinner, uh, their meal, thank you, and, and she interrupts them. We don't know why she does this. There's a lot of, you know, uh, ideas of why she would do this. But I don't know if that's the point. The point is it was an interruption. It was not planned for her to be there. And we see that in how Simon reacts. He immediately gets offended. But how does Jesus react? I don't know how you react when someone comes in your bubble unexpected. I, I like my bubble. Right? I like it, I like it here. I like you not in it. <laughs> I have four kids at home, and we have a house that is big enough for them to spend time on all corners of it, but where do they want to hang out? In my bubble. <laughs> and I know how I react, I kick them away. <laughs> Lovingly, but I kick them away. And Jesus doesn't kick her away. He doesn't get embarrassed. He stays close to her. This is that reckless love that we sang about. The love that doesn't care what other people think. Simon distanced himself from her. Jesus stayed close. Simon was embarrassed, but Jesus didn't care what other people thought. Simon made snap judgments. I make snap judgments. And Jesus is quick to love. He stays close to the hurting. The second thing we learn from Jesus is this. He's not concerned with labels. Labels are nice. They're tidy. Especially at the grocery store. Right? We like labels to tell us what I'm buying in this bag. They're, they're helpful. I mean, there's some labels that aren't helpful, like this one. <laughs> or this one. Not helpful. And then this one shows you how important punctuation is on a label. But other than that, labels are super helpful. I like going and seeing labels. We've been labeling food for 100 years. We've been labeling people for far longer than that. And that's where we run into issues because when we label people, we categorize them. And when we categorize people, we start to sort them. And when we sort people, we create this, this righteousness pyramid where I typically am the one at the top. And this is what Simon the Pharisee does. He calls her what? Sinner. That wasn't just a descriptive word. It was a label. It's used a lot in, in, the, in the Gospels 
Well, religious leaders call people that all the time, and it's reserved for people who were not following God's law. It was a label. And it, when he used it, he immediately told everybody else in the room that she wasn't, she wasn't worthy of being there. And what I find interesting is that Jesus never uses this label except when he's quoting the Pharisees or when he's referring to the Pharisees. He flips the label on its head. He's not concerned with it. He's concerned with, with what? He's concerned with what's behind the label. And what's behind the label? A person with a story. A person with a messy, beautiful, complex story. Labels try to simplify things, try to, try to make them simple. But people aren't simple. People aren't all the same. Labels try to do that, and they're not helpful. You see, we hear a label, and typically after, when we hear a label, we immediately can almost like assume and write the story of that person. That's where our brains go. He's divorced. Oh. She's gay. Huh. My son's transgender. My dad's a drug addict. White, black, Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative, Gen X, millennial, boomer, buster, introvert, extrovert, pro-vax, anti-vax, Jewish, Mormon, evangelical, Baptist, labels, labels, labels. They try to be helpful, but what they do is they just put people in boxes. And Jesus comes to disassemble the box. And Simon puts this woman in a box. And Jesus' question to him is interesting. He says, Simon, do you see this woman? And I think we, we kind of gloss over that. He's not, I don't think he's just asking Simon to use his physical eyes to see her. But Simon, do you see her or do you see her reputation? Do you see her or do you see her label? Do you assume you know her entire story? Or will you listen to her story? Will you get to know her? Will you get to understand her? Or will you only see her label? Simon is quick to categorize her, but Jesus sees her and doesn't see her label. I am quick to put people in boxes, but Jesus disassembles the boxes. The last thing we learn from Jesus is that Jesus understands people's worth. When he used that word sinner, he, he, he told everybody else in the room that that woman is less important, less lovable, less valuable. And for us to imago Jesus, it looks like this, Philippians 2. In humility, value others, what? Above yourselves. What is, what is this verse calling us to? It's not just calling us to, to get everybody on the same level. It's saying, if you want to be like Jesus, you will see other people as more important than yourselves. Church, what if we walked through the day with that perspective on people? It's hard. But we're being called to it. 
to imago Jesus by seeing others as more valuable. And Jesus doesn't just know their worth, he speaks her worth. Did you catch it at the end? What does she say? Your sins are forgiven, go in peace. He speaks peace over her. He speaks peace over her. And that word, peace, should catch your brain because as a church, our vision is to be a city at what? Peace with God. To see Salem, a city at peace with God. And if that is going to happen, it's not just about our city surrendering to Jesus as Lord. It's also about them knowing their worth. Knowing they're valuable. Knowing this is how Jesus sees them as more valuable than him. That'll change our city. And if we're going to get closer to that vision, (laughs) we've got to start seeing people like he sees them. So as we close, I just want to give you a couple handles. The first is a question. Are there people I keep my distance from? Are there people that I keep my distance from? Maybe a a name comes to mind or a face or a label comes to mind. And I'm not talking about people that have hurt us or traumatized us or abused us and we've put distance between us and them. That's called boundaries. That's different. I'm talking about us putting distance between us and the others, those people, the sinners, Whoever comes to your mind when you think of that. That's who Jesus is calling us to close the distance. When Jesus was asked, after he said, I love your neighbor as yourself, his disciples immediately asked, well, can you clarify, who's my neighbor? They wanted to get to the nitty gritty. And what did he do? He told them the story of the Good Samaritan, where the Samaritan helped out a man who had been passed over by religious leaders. And, he, and the Samaritan became the hero And Samaritan was a label. It was an ethnic label. But everybody who heard that story that Jesus told would have immediately made snap judgments about the Samaritan, right? They would have immediately assumed stuff about that Samaritan. And he ends up being the hero, and he ends up being the one Jesus says, that is who I want you to love. The ones you've put distance between you and them. That's who I want you to love. Jesus is calling us, inviting us to close the distance. The second thing uh, I just want to leave you with is that Jesus is inviting us to take on a posture of curiosity. Curiosity. You see, our snap judgments, if we never challenge them, if we're never curious about why we have them, then they drive us. And they become how we see people. And when we do that, we stop learning, we stop listening, and we stop seeing people around us like Jesus sees them. So, be curious about people. Be curious about their stories. The next time you drive by somebody who's got a sign asking for money, don't just quickly assume you know their story or label them as lazy Ask yourself, I wonder what their story is. You may not have a chance to, but at least your mind has now been challenged 
to stop short of labeling them and seeing them as a person with a story. Maybe you need to invite your neighbors over. Yeah, those neighbors that put up that flag that you hate or that offended you. Maybe you need to invite them over and have them for dinner and listen to their story. And not listen so that you can correct them. We do that. Oh, I want to hear your story and then I want to tell you how you're wrong. Ugh, that is not Jesus. Invite them over, listen to their story to understand them, to give them dignity because that's what Jesus did to people. So be curious about people, but also be curious about yourself. Some of us have just stopped learning about ourselves. But maybe ask the question, where do my snap judgments come from? When they come up and you see that person and you immediately have that reaction, question it, challenge it. Where is that coming from? I've labeled them. Where is that coming from? It's a good conversation to have with your kids, with your parents, with with your, your roommates at home, with your counselor if you have one. But it's also a good conversation to have with you and the Holy Spirit. David prayed this prayer in Psalm 139 that we need to pray. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me because I may not know that there's an offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. We're going to sing some songs together and spend some time processing this a bit. But church, imaging Jesus is not just about being good people. Imaging Jesus is about bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. It's about setting the captives free. It's about setting people free from the man-made labels that we have given them. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, come. Let's just take a moment to ask that question again. Who are the people that I keep my distance from? And let me remind you, if you hear a voice that is condemning or is angry or is accusatory, that's not the Holy Spirit. His voice is gentle and kind and truth-filled. Holy Spirit, speak. God, forgive us for being people who sometimes just stop learning. Who, who don't take a humble posture. But sometimes we have a know-it-all attitude and we, we repent of that. We want nothing to do with that. We want you to teach us. And we believe other people have things to teach us. Other people that we may never have pursued relationship with before, those people can teach us things. So may we be people who learn and are curious and invite you to transform us. Come Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance podcast. We hope you have been challenged and inspired. Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. 
to experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit salemalliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.